I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author and certified mindfulness coach, Michael Keat. His uh, book is Moneyfulness, Moneyfulness, Learning to Live with Money. 72% of all Americans experience stress about their finances. However, this stress is often a product of their convictions and behavior. People can find a variety of stress-relieving tips regarding depression, burnout, and anxiety. Yet in the concept of mindfulness, there's no mention of stress reduction about money problems. Michael Keat presents Moneyfulness, a unique concept that fills this gap in the overall concept of mindfulness. He presents the idea that people's mindset about money and the practical how-to belong together. With no relevant education or work experience, he became a finance director at age 30 and is now an entrepreneur developing online accounting software to help small business owners. Welcome to the show, Michael. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Well, I guess uh, I think you're right. I sort of mentioned this, I guess, in the introduction, but we don't think of mindfulness and money together. They seem to be like polar opposites. Our money's over here and our mindfulness is over there. So you bring the two together. How do you do that? Well, I'm trying to bridge them because money, you can, money calculating with the money, there's a technique you can learn. That's the practical side of money. But like you always already said as well, the money causes a lot of stress for, for example, 72% of all Americans. So, and when you have stress about something, in this case about money, there is also a very strong psychological side of money, which is the flip side of the coin. And that's where I combined the seven aiding factors, or the, also known as the seven pillars of mindfulness, and money. Uh, that's a daunting task because, uh, you know, in the United States, and I still think this is true, and they have done, I guess, uh, studies and have statistics that Americans don't like to actually talk about money. We talk about, we'll talk mm-hmm. about sex, we'll talk about all kinds of other intimate personal um, things, but we don't talk about money. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's one of the things I, I want to open up because, yes, a lot of people don't want to tell how much they earn or how much they owe because it's a it's a measure you compare it to other people whereas also a funny saying that a lot of people buy things to impress they don't need to impress others they don't like so a lot of people are doing things for buying things for other people and not for themselves that's also basically why they don't want to talk about their finances because you can buy something and be in debt or you can buy something and we still have a, a, a very strong buffer. Let's talk about mindful. I know you talk about this in the book, and this is, uh, I guess, one of the major points is that we're talking about that money has to do with our belief system. Um, there's a, the how we, how we, uh, our belief system, I guess. Let's talk about that in relationship mm-hmm. to money. Uh, well, you, you have to check out where, what do you, about money because the way you think about money is usually taught somewhere in your childhood. And until you reach the eight, uh, eight or nine years old, then you're not able to think critically about what you hear, what you say, what you experience, what you feel. So everything you see here is true. So, and mostly the ones you brought up, 
are mentioning and showing you things about money. One of the very wise things people always say about money is you have to save and you have to spend it well, right? That's what a lot of parents tell their children. But a lot of parents just spend their money on foolish things. So they are not spending it wisely and they are living in debt. So they are not saving. So they're showing the complete opposite of what they're telling their children. So what is most likely... Well, what are the children most likely to believe what they just hear a couple of times? Save, spend wisely. Or what they see constantly throughout the day, just spending money and uh, getting into debt. Ah, my guess is that that is the, the second one. Uh, so I want to ask you, also, I want to stop you there. Oh, so, Michael, sorry. like what are, in, the, in the United States, and I guess this is uh, actually, I think, COVID, the, this whole year of, of uh, co- you know, COVID-19 is sort of like mm-hmm. uh, exemplifies this, but the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Does that have to do with their belief system or what, what's that all about? Because you're talking about, you know, it starts very young. They're, you know, it's how you're brought up. And, yeah, and, uh, yeah so the whole concept of money begins at the beginning. <laughs> um, yeah, so l- l- can we address that? Uh, yeah, the mindset part is the major part, but let me give you a little different example. For example, if you win, let's say, a million or over in a lottery, there is scientific research that about 80% of all people that win a substantial amount in a lottery have to work in a daytime job, for example, after a period from three to five years, how does it happen? The mindset is still based on their previous uh, comfort zone. Which amount do you think you, which, which amount do you allow yourself to have, to owe? If that amount, for example, when you win it in a lottery, exceeds your comfort zone, there's a very big chance that you start showing some sabotage and sympathizing behavior so it will reduce the amount until it fits back into your comfort zone. So as more or less saying when uh, the riches are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer, because if you're brought up being rich be, with the, uh, the concept that you can always make money, there's always money available, uh, there's no lack of money, or if you were brought up like... Uh, I don't need to man with parents like I don't need to manage my money because I have hardly any money and there is no money and money is the root of all evil. If you brought up in the second way, it's not very likely that you will see the opportunities to make more money. And yes, there's always uh, some uh, some exceptions, but this uh, this is just uh, in general. So that's also yeah the the way when you are brought up in a certain way, it affects the way. You do you you were doing now during COVID? Yeah, I, there was, yeah, it does make sense. And I was just uh, I, I was uh, I saw the the young woman here in the United States who I think it was in Ohio who won the lottery for getting a vaccination and she won a million dollars. And okay. it was well, I think I can retire. I have a million dollars. I can retire. I can do whatever I want. And I thought to myself. You have a million dollars. You can barely buy a house here in the United States. For <laughs> I, I mean, that it it was just so out of uh, you know out of balance, I guess. And, and but that was the attitude. 
And so I yeah, sort of, if it, you know, just what you're saying, that million dollars will be gone in a year or two. It won't take four or five years. Yeah. That was just, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> it was the same with the, the, the very successful athletes. There are so many stories about athletes that make a lot of money in their, let's say, in their 20s, maybe early 30s, and get in, into a lot of trouble afterwards because they were never, ever taught how to handle that huge amount of money. That's the same, this, this is not exactly as the lottery, but it has the same effect because you're, it, it doesn't fit their, uh, their comfort zone because if there is a correlation between your self-worth and your net worth, if you have a higher self-worth, if you value yourself on a higher level, you are more likely to earn and to have more money as well because you think you're worth it, you, you're entitled to. So then you will easily, more easily, get it. You know, I, I was, um, you know, that you mentioned that my, people think, oh, or there's there's that saying, money is the root of all evils. And then you take the people like the Bill Gates and the Warren Buffetts and all of these people who make billions of dollars, and then reinter and then help people with it and do good things with it. Yeah. And that that you know that's another up to being a positive mindset. Um, so can you, I mean, that is, that, that's a, a, I guess one of the good way or a a good, to me, uh, maybe a, a good, a belief system that's, that's positive when you're thinking about money Mm -hmm. or making money. Yeah. hundred percent sure. Because true because, uh, when you give and you can give money or you can give your time, you can choose whatever you want to give, but there's some, if you give your money or you give your time, it makes the, the endorphin part in your system, which makes, me, makes you feel good, which makes you more happy. So giving, being kind to other people in time or in money, both, both are possible, make you feel very good and make you feel better about yourself, which, which increases your self-worth and your, the way you see yourself. That's also exactly why 10% of all income, which is uh, made by Moneyfulness, is donated to charity that fights poverty. Because I want to make the world a better place as well. So the, the kindness part is also one of the things I address in my book. Michael, you went from the underprivileged. Uh, did yeah. I mention that? I may mention that in the introduction, but describing yourself as underprivileged yeah. to finance director at the age of thirty, and then becoming an entrepreneur. So, in terms of your own personal story, how did you do? How did you do it? I mean, if you were the un- started out being the underprivileged, you had a different mindset, I'm assuming, than you do now uh, as um, a successful entrepreneur. So, you know, walk us through that. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you two things about it. This is first uh, at the age of twenty-one, I was. Indeed, the underprivileged youngster. Before that, I've been uh, kicked out of school everywhere, so I wasn't uh, the <laughs> the perfectly young adult, if I could put it like that. <laughs> so um, uh, I've been working in factories, been in the the army for uh, Dutch army for for some time and everything. And then some someone labeled me as underprivileged youngster, and that sounds like, "Ooh, why does it happen? That that must be tough on you." But no, that was the chance of a lifetime that pivoted my life because that, uh, that label gave me the opportunity to get back to school again. So then I started studying and then uh, yeah, I translated into the UK uh, 
uh, names because that's, uh, let's say, uh, in, in two years of day school and uh, two years of evening school, I got my bachelor degree. And after that, I even got to my, uh, in, in accounting. And after that, I got my, uh, my uh, master's degree in, uh, in economics. So at age of 21, I was the, I had no relevant education, working experience or whatsoever. And at the age of 30, I had a post-bachelor degree and was working on my master's degree. And I was the finance director of a company that employed over 400 people. And that is really a shift in the mindset. I just saw an opportunity. I had to grab it because I knew I knew I didn't want to work in the, doing the same things I've done before, working in factories and everything. I just wanted to make something out of life. So that was really a mindset. So I've been doing that for about uh, 13, 14 years for their various companies. And then I started my own business, uh, accounting software, for example. And I'll take that as the example because that's um, very important. Um, there was somewhere in the... I had to think it all about the, the, the software and there was a company that did the development and the maintenance of the software. And there were some small letters in a contract. And so they had made me pay tens of thousands of euros. So, and let's say the dollar is equal to the euro. There's no very big difference between these two currencies. Uh, so I, I got I, I got to uh, I got into debt about uh, five years ago, and that didn't stress me out because when I was the finance director, I had a very decent salary, I can tell you. And then I got into debt and had hardly any income. And did when I was a finance director, I was worrying. Oh, I don't want to lose my job. Oh, I don't want to lose it. Oh, what if I lose my job? Then this will happen. Then that will happen. Then I have to lose my. I will lose my house. Then I will lose this and everything. And five years ago, I was wondering. Hmm. Hardly any stress. How did that happen? Well, when I started as being an entrepreneur, I started out being an entrepreneur. I did a lot of trainings, and one of them was the mindfulness, as you can guess. <laughs> so, um, and that's. I just have to interrupt uh, for one second. Oh, does it have anything to do with you being Dutch? Because the Dutch have hundreds of years. They're supposed to be the best financiers in the world, right? In terms of <laughs> money, right? There are a lot of banks in the Netherlands. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But, uh, but where was I? Um, uh, the, the, yeah, then, <laughs> then I started the, the, the mindfulness part about money. <laughs> And uh, recently, and then I just combined money, mindfulness, and uh, did the psychological part of uh, money based on the seven pillars, seven aiding factors of mindfulness, and combined those these two. And recently also became, became a hypnotherapist because I want to help people with all these limiting beliefs. And if you do it in hypnotherapy, you can easily adjust the limiting beliefs into helping helpful belief systems. So how long, how long does that take if you're going to do it? You do hypnotherapy mm-hmm. based on this, these seven <laughs> factors of mindfulness to help you to manage your money or to live well with mm-hmm. your money. Is that, that's the I goal. Mean, yeah. I'm using the seven pillars of mindfulness and all the other things I'm using in my book and, uh, and in order to help any, uh, other people to find their limiting belief systems and their sabotaging behavior. What is sabotaging? What are the 
negative emotions or the negative uh, quotes you think or speak out loud about money, then you can adjust it with mindfulness. But you can also have, let's say, three sessions or four sessions of hypnotherapy and then adjust if you, for example, uh, uh, believe that I don't feel, feel good enough to be rich, if that's your conviction. You can start adjusting your mind uh, with all mindfulness techniques. You can also do three sessions of hypnotherapy and adjust the, uh, the your belief system like I don't feel good enough to be rich and adjust it. I am, I deserve it to have more money or I deserve it to be rich, for example. Just and then that can be done in uh, let's say uh, three uh, three sessions for, of hypnotherapy. Okay, so that's one of them. Give us some more of those examples. And also, how about what about one of the most difficult patients or clients that you've had, and how have you helped them to resolve their issues with money using the hypnotherapy? Mm-hmm. Oh, using hypnotherapy. Um, there was uh, in one of my trainings because I'm giving the trainings as well. Uh, there was a, was some was a man, and uh, he was. I was uh, yeah, just pushing him a little bit, like, uh, just uh, give me a little more answers, just uh, give me something to work with. And, uh, but he had a great budget. He was uh, giving all the right answers and, and everything, but I saw he was struggling with money. And I just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. I, <laughs> I hardly ever pushed anybody that hard. But, um, and suddenly he, he really shouted out, I'm not gonna work that hard for. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna work myself to death for all this money. I really shouted that out. Then I thought, hey, <laughs> this is something he didn't foresee. I didn't foresee. And then, after the training, we made an appointment, and then I helped him with his conviction that he had to work very hard for the money. That was his conviction. It was his limiting belief. So now he's making. I spoke him about I spoke him about a year later. Um, uh, he's making more money, and he's working less hours. So he <laughs> was really helpful for him. But the way just pushing him during the training, and then he's shouting it out, "I'm not going to work myself to death for this stupid money." That was a breakthrough, and that that's one of the the great things that can be done in one on one sessions or in group sessions that someone has a breakthrough. Finding his or her limiting belief, because usually limiting beliefs are thoughts on autopilot. On autopilot. They are just so long in your belief system, you don't even realize that you think this way. You think this way about money, or you just say it aloud about money. So that's, so that's, how, that's the, how do, the, well, then the how do people get to you? Because you're saying you have to have an awareness, hey, I have a problem surrounding money, that it's not working for me. And so then they have to... Get, I mean, get to you and get into, uh, it, well, whether it's the hypnotherapy or, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. So how how do you, like, initially become aware? I've got this problem. I need to do something about it. You know, you ha- well, if you're, if you, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Sorry. <laughs> if you experience some negative emotions when you're dealing with money or some, you're, you're pushing some boundaries, but you don't know which boundaries it is what it is where it comes from or something like that then for example you can buy the book money fullness and there are a lot of 
uh, exercises in it which can help you find your limiting belief system. And a lot of people just read them and just recognize them and say, ooh, that's not the very helpful limiting belief because it's limiting belief, so it's not very helpful, of course. But uh, they just start changing their mind by, the, by themselves. It's very, very, very well possible. I've also got some uh, online programs with uh, videos and uh, some audio files. And by listening those audio files, you can also you also adjust some things in your brain. So uh, that can be helpful as well. So what and do we do? It, just uh, do we just uh, go to michaelkey.com and uh, to have access to those? Or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Moneyfulness dot com, and there you can, uh, of course, uh, uh, buy the book by Moneyfulness. That's uh, that's for sure. But there's also a free download. Who is the boss? You or the money? That's uh, <laughs> a smaller book that <laughs> I just recently uh, passed, uh, published. That's uh, that was a self-published. And Moneyfulness is published by Morgan James Publishing. So, but are you a what slave do you of do, Michael? About um, what do you do about couples? who come in who have different belief systems about money and they're really having pro- or I don't know if you see couples or just individuals because that's an that's the number one money is the number one reason for people getting divorced or separated yep. because they have different belief systems about money and it and yeah that's a big yeah I'm not a re- relational therapist. I'm not a mediator. So <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> you take but, one of them and help them, um, and let the other one go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just send them to the mediator first. Now, <laughs> uh, if um, if they uh, basically it's just uh, that the, the couples need to talk and yeah. they just speak out what they think about money, what they feel about money and uh, what is annoying and the other one, like uh, you can have um, one uh, spending a lot of money to uh, hobby X <laughs> and uh, the partner thinks, uh, ooh, that's a lot of money, I don't want to spend the money. This also has to do with the money types. And that's also one of the things I mentioned uh, in the money films, the various money types. And if you label yourself as a couple, for example, eh? besides talking, uh, if you label yourself as one of the eight money types, then you can see your pitfalls and your strengths. So, uh, <coughs> sorry, um, like, like for example, one of the money types is a controller, uh, which is driven by money and by, by success. Money is equals success, and success equals impact. And But there's no fear. So he keeps on going and going and taking a lot of risks. The partner, for example, they think, ooh, I'm very safe. And I'm not going to take the label that one, but it's, let's, let's say the partner's very safe person and not that very well in taking risks. If you find out which money type you are, both of you, both the, uh, the, uh, the people in the relationship, that's very, uh, it, it's not... You're not blaming the other one for being or for doing like this or that. It's just because you are basically this money type. Oh, now I recognize, I know, and I understand why you are doing, of having this behavior. That's not that confronting instead of saying, hmm, why do you always do this? I hate you for doing that. Yeah. So that's, 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 um, uh, it, it is uh, it, it is less yeah less confronting. 
Yeah, you're not. Then you can start having a conversation. Yeah, that's well said. It seems to me we only have a couple minutes left, literally a couple minutes left. And I was just going to say, this is the kind of program I guess they need to introduce into MBA programs. I mean, this maybe they are, maybe you are, but uh, doing that. But it would seem to me that that would be something that I, I think has is been it? lacking. I mean, uh, in, at yeah. least in my experience. Yeah, that's uh, that's sort of these are the things you don't learn. Uh, in school, and I have, I did have my share of financial education. I can tell you, <laughs> but I did not, I did not learn learn these things in school. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, great talking to you today, Michael. Interest, obviously, lots of good information. Moneyfulness, learning to live with money. We've been talking to Michael Keat. Just quickly mention websites again. We can buy the book on Amazon. I assume bookstores everywhere. Yes, that's true. It's just uh, moneyfulness.com. That's that's where you can all find all kinds of information about the book, Moneyfulness, Who is the Boss, You Are the Money, or the, the online programs. Great. Thank you, Michael. Great talking to you. Thanks for having me, and uh, hope to talk to you next time. Yes, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. <laughs> 